Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, Behold joy. Oh, come on, you can say it to somebody on the other side of you with a little bit more pep. You can say, behold joy. All month long, we have been talking about come and behold. Come and behold that Jesus has come to us. Come and behold this Savior King, this baby who came and would grow into a man who would lay down his life for us. We came and we talked about behold the love that he is talked about behold the light that he is and today I want to talk about come and behold joy come and behold joy today does that sound good all right well come on let's look at the book of Matthew this is the scripture that we've been looking at all month this is the scripture that really has been our core text for the whole series we're going to start in Matthew 2 and in a second we're going to go to Luke 2 And I can't make this up. Sometimes these things just line up that good. We're going to read Matthew 2, 9 and 10, and then we're going to read Luke 2, 9 and 10. I was so excited when it happened. Sometimes you just get those little sweet moments in life. Matthew 2, verses 9 and 10, we're going to start about a sentence into the verse. It says, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. This is talking about the wise men. You've probably seen three little statues with three little gifts in a nativity scene somewhere in your grandma's counter at some point. This is those wise men, although there likely was more than three of them, it says. And the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then you can skip over the book of Mark because Mark apparently has no time for the birth of Jesus. He gets straight into Jesus' ministry, get to Luke because Matthew and Luke tell us about when Jesus was born. Look at Luke 2, verses 9 and 10. This isn't talking about those wise men. It's not talking about those kings, those nobles. It's talking about some shepherds who were out in a field. And at our Christmas service on Thursday, we're going to talk about the significance that wise men and shepherds were both the ones who were told of Jesus' birth. But today we're going to talk about joy. And so it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This angel came to announce to them that Jesus had been born. And when he described the news that he was bringing to them, what did he say? It was news of great importance, joy. News of great significance, joy. News of great shock and awe, 
of joy. He said, I have news to bring to you, and it's news of great joy. This message that the angel came to announce, this story that we're here to celebrate today, that we get to tell. It is the greatest story ever, and when you hear it, and when you receive it, and when you announce it, it is a message of great joy. We come to behold the joy that happens when we hear that the Savior has been born. The Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you have already done so much in our lives. We thank you that you are already doing so much. And today we ask you to fill us with your joy, to ignite in us your joy, to bring us into a joy that no one can remove from our lives the joy of living in life with you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So I had this experience this week. I had this experience this week of, um, I had some packages that I had to send, that I was planning to send to our family in Australia. Bill is originally from Australia, so about half of our family still lives there. My brother actually lives there as well. And so I was sending some gifts to go to Australia, which I do every single year. Now, if you work at the post office, we love you dearly because I do about 95% of my ordering online these days. And I do so much of our ordering online that the other day, um, my three-year-old went out to the front porch, peeked around the corner, and then looked at me very confused and said, Mama, no packages today. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. So we are very grateful for all of the delivery people who keep our house well stocked and who are making sure that everyone has a holly jolly Christmas. But if you've ever gone to the post office, you know that it's not the most exciting agenda item on your calendar for the week. So I had already girded myself and already prepared myself and I had taped my box and wrapped my box and packed my box and taken it all the way over to the US Postal Service and I waited in the line and I got up to the counter and I had the multiple forms because when you ship things internationally, there's all kinds of additional forms that you have to have. And I said to the lady already and prepared, hi, how are you doing today? I'm gonna send this box off to Australia. And she looks at me and says, is Australia receiving packages? And I was like, uh, I think so. I don't know what you're, I don't understand your question, ma'am. And she looks it up and she says, they haven't been receiving packages for months now. And I was like, what? She goes, let me double check the address. She types in the address. We do all the things. She looks at all of her information. And then she looks at me with a very sad face. And she says, Yeah. Australia's not receiving incoming packages. As part of their response to keeping their borders safe from COVID, they are not receiving incoming packages shipped by PBS. You feel the feeling that I felt as I looked at her and I said, but how are my nieces and my brand new nephew getting their Christmas gifts then? And she said, not like this. And so I took my gifts very sad and I walked back to my car very disappointed and I was feeling everything except for the feeling of joy. I felt stressed, I felt disappointed, I felt frustrated, I felt confused. I did not feel joy 
fulfilled in this moment because I had something that I was hoping to send to someone else and what I came to learn was that that package was not going to be going out anytime within the incoming weeks and certainly was not going to be making it there before Christmas. Have you ever noticed how the most joyful time of the year in a lot of ways is filled with really unjoy-filled moments? That we have all of these things that we walk through and all of these things that we go through in this season that somehow are not adding joy to our lives or that are pulling us in the direction away from joy. A recent study said that 88% of people say that the holidays, that the Christmas season is the most stressful season of the year that they feel stress at heightened levels over this time, that they feel anxiety at heightened levels over this time, that they feel the frustrations of all of the pressures of all of the things, all of the financial pressures and all of the pressures of finding the exact perfect gift and all of the pressures of making sure that your presence and your tree and your lights and all of it look just as good as your neighbors and all of the pressure to get to all of the activities and all of the events, the extra work event and the extra family event and the extra church event and the extra community event all of the places that you, I know, and some of you are like, oh my gosh, that's right. I'm remembering right now that I forgot to buy a gift for someone that I told that I'm going to see tomorrow morning that I have. I know we have all of the, why is it that the time that should be filled with the most joy instead is filled with all of these other feelings that we've left no space for the feeling of joy, the feeling of joy. Joy, that amazing feeling, that feeling that fills you from your toes all the way to the tips of your hair that wells up on the inside of you and starts to just well out of you. Joy is this feeling that it's a phenomenon that overcomes who you are. It's more than just a passing feeling. Joy has in it this uh, this thing that you feel it to the extent that you have to express it, that it can't just be contained on the inside of you, but joy has movement with it and joy has action with it and joy has direction with it joy is contagious when you feel joy all the way on the inside of you when you feel joy in every part of you have you ever been around someone who just has joy seeping out of them in every direction it just is like sunshine walking into a room We took the kids to Disney on ice. Actually, my grandma got us tickets to take our kids to Disney on ice yesterday. I know, it was so good, you guys. It was fantastic. And there was this one girl, she's like an MC for the show, and she was M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E joyful. She just immediately, everything about her, you just smiled when you looked at her. You just smiled when you, you looked at her little happy, poppy, bouncy. So she was just like a little mouseketeer all over the place. And I loved it. There was just joy bubbling out from everywhere and everything that she did, every place that she went. You were like, oh, I want to feel joy like that. Oh, she seems so happy. And why is it that when we think of joy, we think of Mickey Mouse Club Disney characters instead of the people of God, instead of the people who hold the most joyful message that has ever been told. 
Why is it that joy is not synonymous with the life of a Jesus follower? Why is it that joy isn't the first thing that comes to mind when we think of a Christian? Why is it that joy isn't the thing that comes out of us? Why is it that we think that we have left joy behind in our childhood days when the writers of the New Testament equate joy with the life of a mature believer? That the longer you walk with Jesus shouldn't make you more bitter, shouldn't make you more serious, shouldn't make you, it should make you more joyful. It should make you more of a delight to be around. It should make you more fun at a party. Not the person seriously sitting in the corner saying, well, have you heard that the number on the rise and I just tell you these schools, oh my goodness, this is a party. Will you have a dance? Will you tell a joke? Will you play with somebody? Will you sing a song? The life of a believer should be a life that's filled with joy, should be a life that is just seeping out the light that we have received and the life that we have received. Every single place that we go, there is joy and joy abundantly on the inside of the life of a believer that walks in every space that we go, that doesn't get caught up in everything that's happening, that doesn't get caught up in every single stream and just want to recant all of the downward and know the life of a believer is a life of joy and this is our season to shine it's the most wonderful time of the year it's the most joy-filled time of the year because we have the greatest story that can ever be told that love came down that light came down that life came down and wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us and there is joy 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 all the way down in my soul because Jesus came to me because Jesus walks with me because I once was lost but now I'm found and so all I can do is be joyful and all I can do is tell somebody about it and all I can do is let my joy come back out of me it's contagious what's on the inside of me it's contagious the thing that you know the thing that you know is contagious and it's joy, 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 so much joy. What gets us that kind of joy in our life? What gets us the kind of joy in our life that we can't get away from? that we just allow to flow out of us every place that we go. The life of a believer is a life that is growing in gratitude. There is a connection between the gratitude that you feel, the gratitude that you express, the gratitude that you live in, and the joy that dwells on the inside of you. The life of someone who is joyful. Pay attention to the most joyful people in your life. I can almost guarantee you they are the most grateful people in your life. Believers, we learn to count the good things that God has done for us. We learn to count up and to focus our life on the blessings that we have in our life. And this is more than just making a tally sheet and saying, I'm going to count my blessings and count my worries. It is a discipline in the focus of my life. That I focus my life 
on the good things that he has done for me, that I focus my life on the blessings that I have, that I focus my attention on the fact that Jesus is with me. And if Jesus is with me, everything else is secondary under that. I have focused my attention and I have learned to grow gratitude in my life. And when I grow gratitude in my life, it's like sunlight to my joy and it just starts to grow up and bloom and blossom all around me. We grow gratitude and we savor the small things. A life of joy is a life that knows how to savor the small things, to savor the small moments, to savor the little things. Our son Theo First of all, he has a very robust vocabulary, and he loves to use the word savor. It's one of his favorite words, and the child knows how to savor something. I am not exaggerating to you when I tell you I have watched him take an hour to eat a gummy bear because he is savoring it, and he is savoring every moment of it. He is, he'll take in all of it, the texture and the color and the flavor and the the difference in how it started and where he knows how to savor a moment. But I think there's a lot to be said for that because he hasn't grown so tainted by all of life that he blows past the little things, that he blows past the small things in life. And sometimes we get our attention on so many big things that we forget how to savor the little moments. There's this letter that Abraham Lincoln wrote to the, his child's teacher, to his son's teacher. It's an excellent letter. I really, I recommend that everyone go look it up, but there's this line in it. He said to the, his son's teacher, teach him if you can the wonder of books but also give him quiet time to ponder the eternal mystery of birds in the sky and bees in the sun and the flowers on a green hillside. He's telling him when you teach him all of the things, don't just teach him the big things. Teach him to pause and to look and to savor the small things in life to sit and wonder at the mysteries, at the little things that we forget to pay attention to. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he told them, don't forget about the birds in the air and the lilies in the field. Don't forget to look at the small things in life, at the little things that we blow off as insignificant, at the little moments. Don't get so lost in buying the big flashy Christmas gift that you forget to savor the small moments. Because I would suggest that the joy that you find is not going to be in the latest, greatest, new, big, flashy toy. That the joy that you find is going to be in the little moments. It's going to be in the flickering of the candle at a dinner. It's going to be in the smile on someone's face as they look at some lights. The joy that you find is going to be found in savoring the small moments. When was the last time you sat and you savored something small? When was the last time you sat and looked at something that you had grown too big to admire? I feel like we've lost the ability to be impressed sometimes. 
I sit and, and I, I worry because I see amazing things happen. And it's like we've all become so desensitized that we're like, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's amazing. It's amazing that the sun rose again. It's amazing that the leaves change color every year. It's amazing that snowflakes fall from the sky. Don't lose the ability to be impressed because you're so grown and you've seen so much. Learn to savor the small things. There is joy in the small things. We have to learn to savor the small things. And we cut comparison from our life. We have to cut comparison out of our life. We are going to grow in gratitude and savor the small things and cut comparison out of our life because comparison will rob you of everything. Everything that you have will seem like too little as long as you're comparing it to something that someone else has. Everything that you have will seem insignificant as long as you continue to look at what someone else has on the other side of the fence. Comparison always makes us feel like what I have is not enough. Comparison always makes us feel like I could have done more. Comparison always makes us feel like next year there's something better for me and next year there's something more for me. Instead of saying what I have is plenty. What I have is more than enough. In fact, what I have is pretty amazing. It's not just sufficient. It's more than I ever needed. It's more than I ever hoped and dreamed for. In fact, what I have right now is what I was dreaming of five years ago. So I'm going to sit and I'm going to be grateful for all that I have. I'm going to sit and wonder at the amazement of the thing that I have right now. I don't always have to stretch for the next thing. I don't always have to look for the better thing. I don't always have to compare to what someone else is doing. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what group you're in. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. You will always feel like there is something else on the outside of you as long as you live in comparison. But scripture tells us that contentment brings us great gain. Not more brings us great gain. Not abundance brings us great gain. Not pouring out more. Not reaching for more. Not growing more. Contentment brings us great gain in our life because the gain, it feels like enough when I feel content with what I have. Because I'm grateful for what I have right now. I'm thankful for what I have right now. And that leaves space in my life for joy. The thing with comparison is that then it clutters our heart and it clutters our mind with someone else's something that maybe or maybe not is ever intended for us. And all of that space that it takes up pushes out space for joy in our life. When I clear my soul of all of the comparison, I shovel it out and I have space left for joy to begin to grow in my life, for joy to begin to well up on the inside of me, for joy to begin to seep out to others. Joy grows when we cut comparison out of our life. And then the joy that truly cannot be taken away the joy that cannot cease, no matter what your season is, is a joy that comes from Jesus. 
We have a joy that comes straight from heaven. This is the joy that they came to announce that day. This is the joy that the angels were declaring. This is the joy that the wise men felt as they followed the star. Not a joy based on their circumstance. Not a joy based on the situation they found themselves in. A joy that came from the fact that Jesus had come to them. A joy that was found in Christ alone. A joy that comes when we know that Jesus is part of our life. A joy that comes when we know that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. A joy that comes when we base our life on who he is. On the person of who he is that says, as long as I have Jesus, all of these other things don't quite matter quite as much. As long as I have Jesus, my tree can shine or my tree can be dim, but I have Jesus at the center of it all as As long as I have Jesus, I know that why I celebrate this season, why I celebrate this holiday is bigger than all of the other things. Sometimes I feel like the Grinch when I go, perhaps it wasn't in packages or boxes or bows. Perhaps Christmas didn't come from a store. Perhaps it was something just a little bit more. Because Christmas wasn't about all of those things. Christmas was about the joy that Jesus wrapped himself in flesh, not in sparkles. He wrapped himself not in jewels. He wrapped himself not in Christmas lights. He wrapped himself in plain old flesh. And he came and he dwelt among us. And he came and he became like us so we could become like him. That is the joy that we live our lives on. That is the joy of the message that we have. That is the joy that dwells on the inside of us. That is the joy that no one can steal from you. That is the joy that comparison can't take from your life. That is the thing to base your gratefulness and your gratitude on that Jesus came and he dwelt among us. And because he came and he dwelt among us, among us we now dwell with him Jesus came to us and the joy that we have is the joy that comes straight from Jesus this is the joy they talk about all through the New Testament that the early followers of Jesus had a joy that wasn't based on their circumstances a joy that didn't fluctuate based on the moment that they found themselves in It's a paradox when you read through it and when you see it because the joy that they had was joy that seemed to increase in their suffering. A joy that seemed to increase in the trials that they had. It's a joy that butts up against this thought that says, I can only feel joy when I reach this position or I'm only going to feel joy when I have this much or if I could have just participated in this event or if I could just have that relationship that's when I'll really feel joy but the joy that they talked about was a joy that said despite anything that's going on no matter what's happening around me there is a joy that I have There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians and the church in Corinth had been receiving all kinds of persecution and all kinds of trial. And this is what Paul writes to them in encouragement. It says, in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
their overflowing joy and their rich generosity increased in the midst of their poverty and in the midst of their trial because they knew that they had a joy that wasn't dependent on the situation that they found themselves in. They knew that they had a joy that wasn't dependent on all of the external things that they were facing. They knew that they had a joy that they didn't base on material possessions, but that they had a joy that they found in Jesus. They had a joy in the message of a savior. They had a joy that could not be shaken. They had a joy that couldn't be taken away from them. They had a joy that they walked in every single day of their life because they walked with Jesus. It's why from a prison cell, Paul writes words like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. He says, keep rejoicing in every moment. Keep rejoicing in every circumstance. Keep rejoicing in every situation. I'll say it again and again and again. Rejoice. Find joy in the Lord. Find joy in the midst of every situation. Find joy in the midst of every circumstance. Because Paul had learned as he matured in his faith that joy wasn't something to leave behind. And that joy wasn't something to walk away from from and that joy wasn't something that he grew up out of it's something that he grew into and he said the longer that I walk with Jesus the more joy that I find in him the longer that I walk with my Savior the more that I feel his joy in me always and in every circumstance so when I've had a full table I have felt joy and when I've eaten by myself in a prison cell I have felt joy because the joy that I have is deep on the inside of me and it comes straight from heaven. The church in the early days did not live from a joy that was dictated to them by the situation or the circumstances that they lived in. They had a joy that was directed by the Jesus that they walked with. And I just want you to know that what the world needs right now is not more believers who know deep doctrine. That's helpful for you to know. And it's not more believers who have lots of rules for hoops for people to walk through. The, what the world needs right now is a resilient group of Jesus followers that know my strength comes from the Lord. My faith comes from the Lord. I have a joy on the inside of me. I have a smile for you in the midst of a hard day. I have a laugh in the midst of troubling circumstances. I have a joy that can't be taken away. I have a joy that can't be removed from me. I have a joy and I am going to spread it every single place that I go. I'm going to walk around with joy on the inside side of me. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to invite people with joy to come into this. I'm going to find people who are in dark places and say, come and experience joy. Come and experience a joy that can shake off your depression. Come and experience a joy that will wrap you up as you walk through a divorce. Come and experience a joy that will sit with you in the midst of your first holiday without a loved one. There is a joy on the inside of the life of a believer. There there is a joy that should be gathering inside of you, that should be welling on the inside of you. The joyful life of a believer. Behold the joy of those who follow Jesus. Behold a great, exceeding joy. 
It's redundant. It's repetitive. An editor should have cut it out and said, say it in fewer words. But with exceedingly great joy, they rejoiced to make the emphasis, the emphatic statement that this is the most joyful thing that has ever happened to the world, that Jesus came. It's the message that you have received. It's the life that you have received. The life of a believer is a life of joy, of great, exceeding joy. Before we leave today, as we step into this Christmas week, I want to pray over every person in this room that your week is not going to be filled with anxiety. Your week is not going to be filled with stress. Your week is not going to be filled with disappointment or with comparison. Your week is going to be filled with joy, with exceedingly great joy. If you're able, I'd love for you to stand with me as we pray this prayer together. Because I believe that we have the greatest message, the greatest story, the greatest person that has ever entered time or space in the person of Jesus. And when we hear that, it should bring exceeding great joy. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, your son who you brought to us, your son who you gave to us, who you sent to us, wrapped up to be like us. And that name, Jesus, we come to you right now. And Father God, I ask you for joy, for great, exceeding joy. And we just cast off every feeling of comparison. We cast off every doubt. We cast off every circumstance that's less than what we want it to be, God. Less than what we've made it to be, God. And I speak anxiety to be far from your people. I speak stress to be far from your people. And I say we will walk in the joy of who you have called us to be. We will walk in the joy that you have given us, God. We will walk in a joy that no one can take away from us. A joy that gives us strength, a joy that gives us resilience in every circumstance and in every situation. God, a joy that wells up on the inside of us and overflows, overflows to everyone around us, overflows to everyone that we meet. God, help us spread the joy of who you are everywhere that we go this week. We thank you for it, God. We bless your name. In Jesus' name. And if you're a joyful person, let me hear a shout. Let me hear a lifted up song. Let me hear you rejoice for the name that is above every name, Jesus.